Mrs. Lucas rose with the air of Lady Macbeth and pointed her finger at Georgie. He said, Put it down to Mrs. Quantock's account, she hissed. Of course the explanation came now, and Lucia told the two men the contents of Mrs. Quantock's letter. With that her cards were on the table, and though the fact of the Brahmin from Benares was news to Georgie, he had got many interesting things to tell her, for his house adjoined Mrs. Quantock's, and there were plenty of things which Mrs. Quantock had not mentioned in her letter, so that Georgie was soon in the position of informant again. His windows overlooked Mrs. Quantock's garden, and since he could not keep his eyes shut all day, it followed that the happenings there were quite common property. Indeed, that was a general rule in Rhizome. Anyone in an adjoining property could say, What an exciting game of lawn tennis you had this afternoon, having followed it from his bedroom. That was part of the charm of Rhizome. It was as if it contained just one happy family with common interests and pursuits. What happened in the house was a more private matter, and Mrs. Quantock, for instance, would never look from the rising ground at the end of her garden into George's dining room. Or, if she did, she would never tell anyone how many places were laid at table on that particular day when she had asked if he could give her lunch, and he had replied that to his great regret his table was full. But nobody could help seeing into gardens from back windows. The view belonged to everybody. Georgie had had wonderful views. That very day, he said, soon after lunch, I was looking for a letter I thought I had left in my bedroom, and, happening to glance out, I saw the Indian sitting under Mrs. Quantock's pear tree. He was swaying a little backwards and forwards. The brandy, said Lucia excitedly, he has his meals in his own room. No, Amica, it was not the brandy. In fact, I don't suppose the brandy had gone to Mrs. Quantock's then, for he did not take it from Rush's, but asked that it should be sent. He paused a moment. Or did he take it away? I declare I can't remember. But anyhow, when he swayed backwards and forwards, he wasn't drunk, for presently he stood on one leg and crooked the other behind it, and remained there with his hands up, as if he was praying, for quite a long time, without swaying at all. So he couldn't have been tipsy. And then he sat down again, and took off his slippers, and held his toes with one hand, while his legs were quite straight out, and put his other hand round behind his head, and grasped his other ear with it. I tried to do it on my bedroom floor, but I couldn't get near it. 